0: You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hi there, I'm Jordan, host of the Horny Housewife podcast. Here we discuss, I discuss, we discuss, because there's a guest today, all things marriage, sexuality, sex and marriage, the evolution of intimacy, sex in your long-term committed relationships. And I'm talking about how we can be intentional, how we can spice it up, make things fucking better, not be so bored all the time for all you insatiable people out there. I see you. I see you. Today, we have a guest, Heather Shannon. That will be the last segment. I have an interview with her. I think it's like 35-ish minutes. It was fun. I really enjoyed my time talking with her. We're talking kinks, how to have the conversation with your partner about kinks. Maybe you don't know you have any kinks, but I bet you do have some kinks. We're talking about open relationships, monogamy, what she thinks about that, what she thinks about porn use, all kinds of things. She's a cool lady. She's a sex therapist. You'll hear about her and get to hear her awesome insight and perspective as she's worked with many, many, many couples and individuals. So stick around for that. First, we're going to do listener questions. Duh. But first, first, pre-first, I'm going to bitch to you. I'm just going to vent a little bit. Uh, I've had crippling anxiety. Anybody else? (laughs) Is something in the moon? Was it the super moon? was it the super moon that I was all like, I'm going to manifest and get my moon water and my crystals and write my affirmations. The next day I got in a huge dispute with a neighbor. I won't specify where. Uh, I'm just going to put on the record that I said nothing to them uh, until after I was spoken to. So poke the bear and the bear was in a bad mood, literally. I'm not going to go into it whatsoever. All I'm going to say is this: It was just the perfect storm. You ever have those moments where just you're up to here with it? You're. I was tired. I'm exhausted. I have had my ch- my husband's out of town. Okay, my I'm codependent. Okay, I I have self awareness. I feel like not okay. I am unwell, and I need some fucking relief which it's coming soon. Why do I share my ugly? (laughs) Because, you know, it's relatable. We're all humans. We all have human emotions. We fail. We pick ourselves back up. We make mistakes. We say we're sorry. We move on. And I won't lie, the funniest part of that whole thing was he's like, just because you changed the names in the podcast doesn't mean we don't know. I'm like, (laughs) that's fucking hilarious. And I was like, "What? I don't fucking ever talk about them. What are they talking about? And then it the only thing it could be is one time could be. it is is I made a comment like it's rude to just show up at people's door, like and knock on the door, send your kid over, knock on the door. And it's like a common thing. Like we people pass around their their doorbell cameras, and it's like a laughing joke that like, They show up at 8 a.m., at 11 a.m., at 1 p.m. It's like, just send a text. Like, it's 2022. It's just read the room. Have some self-awareness. Have some self, and then no one's going to tell you that to your face. Like how uncomfortable if you go up and go, does this really bother you? They're going to say, no, they're going to go, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. Like they're not going to say, actually, I fucking can't stand it. And I think that you overstay your welcome and kids' birthday parties. You're not supposed to stay at their house till 10 30 PM. You know what I mean? Like just, I don't like stupid people, but it's okay. It's okay. Thank you for the downloads, baby. That's the best part about having haters on a podcast. It's like, you're still making me money. So thank you. I appreciate you. I also want to give a big shout out to my First Amendment. Woo! Freedom of speech. But I'm also a smart bitch. So I do always change names with any story, any listener question, anything, because I just like to protect anonymity. If you have a relationship, marriage, sex-related question, hit me up. You can go to my website, thehornyhousewifepodcast.com, and submit anonymously, or you can go on my Instagram, underscore thehornyhousewifepodcast.com, slide in my DMs. Now, I will tell you this, okay, just because they come in in a bigger number now, like I get question submissions often, which is great, keep them coming, please, I just want to give this tidbit of, like, info, hint, FYI. If you DM me, try to make it as short and sweet as possible. Like, I get it. I need context. You, you don't, don't hesitate to not tell your story, but don't tell your whole fucking story. Like, try to give me the question, and then if I respond with context, because I always say I get to every DM, when I see, like, a novel, like, six pages that, like, someone maxed out the text, it overwhelms me and I have so many questions. So, like, those are the last ones I go to. So, just putting it out there. If you start with a question, your chances of me like seeing it, reading it, and getting it to it within 24 hours are very high. Now, if you have something that is a little lengthier, go to my website. That I'm going to get it. It's going to go straight to my email and it's like bigger font. It's just better. So, for the listeners, Let's get into our questions. Let's start this motherfucking episode. If you like a little pick me up or a little decompressy Wessy, then this one's for you. Okay, this episode is brought to you by Can Fusion Juice my favorite gold pressed juice with a little sprinkle of loving THC in there. And these juices are legal in all 50 States, believe it or not. And you all are going to want to get your hands on some. I recommend getting the sampler pack. I mean, my favorite is probably the soul, the 25 milligram THC. Each serving of THC is below the legal 0.3%. Any question that could pop in your head about these delightful juices you will find on their website canfusionjuice.com they have an awesome frequently asked questions page it's affordable it's delicious it's organic it's the best ingredients i'm an ingredients girl so i really appreciate when something is made well and no added junk shit preservatives it's like four ingredients the the fruits and vegetables that are put into this juice. And then you also have a little lovey love to make your day that much better. So if you're a CBD fan, or you just like a little bit of the cannabis, like not too hardcore, then this is for you. The mind 10 milligrams, sole 25 milligrams. I believe they have a CBD drink as well. Go to their website, canfusionjuice.com. Use code housewife for 20% off your order. Totes worth it. I've already had people message me about ordering these juices and are like, oh my God, you weren't fucking lying. So take it from me that I'm not trying to shill you shit that you're fucking going to hate. I won't do that to you. I won't do that. So one more time for the people in the back, code housewife for 20% off, canfusionjuice.com. La 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 listener questions. There's not many, there's not many. I'm going to read also a feedback from a listener that said, hey, we're one of those couples, if you listened to last week's episode, that beat the odds. People that get married really young and they make it, past 5 to 7 years and don't hate each other's guts. So, that's to bring some joy around here. Question number 1. Not a couple's question, but what is your opinion on selling feet pics and do you know of any legit sites? I want some extra cash so my boyfriend and I can stress a little bit less. And enjoy each other more. So I don't have like an answer for you. I mean, we've all heard of Feet Finder, but I feel like with all those TikToks you see about Feet Finder or like the next fad of how to easily make money while doing nothing. And just like OnlyFans, when people, when women were finding out, and men, how much money people are making, they're like, I'm getting on there and doing this. You hear all these success, success stories And then other girls are like, okay, so I went and did it and then nothing's happening. And now I feel like shit about myself and I've ruined my reputation and I'm not even making any money. So that would suck. Now I know feet are a different story and I've heard podcasts of people like talking about kinks, porn, people in the industry. And these women are like, yeah, the people that make the most money are the feet people, like the feet cam girls, which blew my mind. But at the the same time, I'm like... I guess it's like a big fucking popular kink, one that I don't understand because I'm not aroused by feet, but I find it very interesting that people are. Now, no, I do not sell give gift feet pics. Occasionally, I will upload my feet. (laughs) They will be uh, in a picture (laughs) on my Instagram because they are a part of my body. And sometimes when I'm showing my nail polish color, I know what I'm doing and that's okay. Now am I dissing you're like wanna be side hustle fuck no because do you, boo, more power to you. Just wanting to tell you in case like, oh, it's not working out how I thought it would. People say it's so like easy and the money just comes in and I'm selling feet pics and making 500 bucks a day. It might not start off like that. Obviously with a platform, everything's easier, but I would encourage like going on Reddit and looking, there's like all kinds of feet pages on Reddit, all kinds. When I made the episode where I talked about FinDom financial domination, I cannot tell you how many messages I received like, ooh, you want a little subby, little pay-piggy? Unfortunately for me, in my pocketbook, I'm a very submissive person, so I don't even know how to play the game. I don't even know how to partake. Sure, if you want to send me your money, uh, my cash app is JordanHakes5, but other than that, I'm going to be completely unavailable. Also, as long as your boyfriend's okay with it, then... Dive on in. It's your feet. Unless you have like a tattoo on your foot. It's a dead giveaway that it's you. More power to you. Okay, next. So I got a submission from someone, Cowboy ATX, married at 25 and 21, coming up on it 19 years. Holy cow bunga. So if you listened to last week's episode, you'll know why I'm telling this, these stories. And so, yeah, enjoy. Hi, Jordan. I was listening to episode 87 and heard you talking about the 20 something couples. We're one of those success stories. I'm not going to say it was easy, it wasn't, but we've hung in there. We didn't have kids until we'd been married for 10 years. We've never felt like we were financially stable enough. And then there are all sorts of other things we learned over the years. A few years ago, my wife was diagnosed with ADHD. And then a couple of years later, I was diagnosed after a traumatic career explosion as well. The, those two diagnoses ended up being the thing that eventually got us to a place where we were healthy enough to talk about exploring ENM this year, which by the way, if you didn't know, cause I didn't, I had to look it up. It's conces- consensual non-monogamy. So this interview that you're about to hear really soon ish. Uh, It's perfect for this question. My wife got a CPAP machine this year and discovered that she's been exhausted for most of her adult life. Suddenly getting rest turned her sex drive back on like it never was. The 19 years have been about commitment to solving problems. We've always loved each other, but we always haven't liked each other. And sometimes that's overlapped and we've almost spun apart but we've always tried to work on ourselves individually with the E&M thing, with my huge drive, I would bring it up every three to five years. She wasn't in that place. So I would respect that and let the issue rest. Good man. Good man. After ironically, she started sleeping, the conversation came up and she thought "Hmm, it might be worth looking into. We're still super early into opening up our relationship, but we've been encouraged by long-term married couples. We've gotten to know through the communities we're members. In addition, I have loved seeing the self-assuredness I've admired and many women starting to bloom inside my wife. It's one of the only things I've ever wanted for her. And I love that she can begin to see a bit of what I see anyway. Sorry to be long-winded. So they're 44 and 40, and he says they don't look like, it doesn't look like how I did when they were 25 and 21. No shit, but we've grown. And like those weird Japanese cube watermelons, I have no idea. Being in the same situation has helped us to grow into a shape that's more and more compatible with the other. I have no idea what those watermelon cubes are, but I will immediately Google image search after. So see, I love it. I love hearing the stories, insight, perspective, people's stories, because it helps other people feel seen and they can relate to them or they can be inspired by them, encouraged by them. So I love hearing those stories. Next question. This one is a question. My wife and I have been married for going on three years now, together 10. We're 26 and we used to have an incredible sex life. Needless to say, married, house, jobs, and now a little girl has caused some issues in the bedroom. I could fuck seven days a week, but I think she'd be okay to only have sex once a month. Background info, don't need to talk about the mismatched libido right now. I'm trying. But my main question I am Kinky, have fantasies, want to explore. My wife claims to be much more vanilla. She's into the normal stuff, used to love nipple play pre baby, loves a finger in the body cage, enjoyed when I sent her dirty text, stuff like that. She just hard knows anything even remotely kinky and avoids things I think would be fun like remote control vibes, cuffs, blindfolds, lingerie. I've tried talking, but it seems like she just shrugs me off. Help. Okay, well, that's so funny that she um, can do a finger in the butt, but she won't put on lingerie. So I thought that's funny. But I don't know. Like when you, I hope you're listening. So keep listening. Listen to the interview I have with Heather Shannon, our guest today. She is a pro at those topics. And I said the question you had basically what happens if someone's like, oh, I'm just vanilla, not into that? She doesn't buy it, basically, is what she said. So I think that it's just a comfort level. There could be some shame surrounding it for her, or it could be something that she's never really dived into. She's never really had the urge or felt the need to explore her sexuality in a deeper way. And... I get how you can't like coerce her to do that and be like, let's go on your own sexual journey, bitch. Do it now. You can't do that, but you could have a conversation with her about wanting to do that together. It could start with doing the tantric date nights and doing cock devotion and pussy devotion. It could start through conversations, and I would love to know your approach so that it just wasn't about sex and getting off and preferences, but it was like about intimacy and learning one another. And then that could lead to what arouses you. I think personally, talking about what turns you on, like, is fucking hot. I would hope that if you went to her and were like adamant about, hey, wanting to spice things up or trying things out. I mean, I don't know why cuffs but then for some people that could be just if that's a hard no there are certain boundaries she has then so fucking be it she might get pissed off honestly if you keep pushing the hard nose but there's so many other things find out what they could be and then find out maybe why they're hard nose like is there a root and origin And I know it's scary when someone's getting super defensive with you, but I think you're really gonna enjoy today's guest because she's right up your alley for this question. So, Chef's Kiss, perfect. Keep fucking listening. Hey, housewife, I need your help. What's up? What do you need my help with? Man, I can't get my dick hard. Things just keep happening. Whether it's whiskey dick, performance anxiety, I just don't want to deal with this. You don't have to deal with this, dude. There are solutions. Yeah, I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't got time for that shit. I don't want to talk to a receptionist. I got you. I got you, RexMD. What are you doing? It's 2022. RexMD? I've never heard of that. Let me tell you. RexMD is the new way. If you're doing it any other way, you're living in the past. Okay? It's not the stone ages anymore. It's affordable. It's fast, it's easy, it's cheaper than the other way, so like why in the fuck would we not pick this option? And you can get generic or off-brand Viagra shipped right to your fucking door and you're able to talk to your physician after your appointment. So this is easy peasy lemon squeezy and RexMD is giving our listeners free sample packs, go to rexmd.com forward slash housewife to get started, to make sure this issue doesn't crop up again. You don't got to live like this anymore. That's rexmd.com forward slash housewife. And you'll always have your shit on deck. You don't got to worry about that. No one has to know it's your business and your business alone. And if you're a wife listening if your wife's listening and she's giving you a little nudge, or she just, you know, goes to RexMD and she leaves it on your screen. Take the hint. Take the hint. RexMD has helped over 100,000 guys get generic Viagra quickly and conveniently. It works and it'll work the very first night. So get with it. I got the deets and the episode notes. RexMD.com forward slash housewife. Okay, ladies and gentle fucks, it is time for today's guest. Her name's Heather Shannon. I'm so
1: excited for you to hear it. Let's dive right in. Yeah, okay, yeah. Heather. So what do you do for a living? I am a certified sex therapist. So I mostly work as a coach with people and I help um, women, couples, polycules, men, you know, non-binary people, trans people, just, you know, a, what a pretty you diverse. A pretty diverse array of people. Um, I, so I started private practice as a counselor in 2011 and I had a couple clients that were just like very brave, I think, and talking about their sexuality. So one was exploring, you know, trauma related to alcohol abuse and sexual situations. And one was exploring a lot of things like fetishes and gender identity and um, orientation. And, you know, it's like even though it was uncomfortable, uh, for these clients, I would say, like, it was really important work. And it kind of just crossed my mind, like, where else are people going to go to <laughs> so, like yeah. have these conversations? And I, I realized also, I'm like, this is so rewarding for me to like, be able to be that safe space where people can talk about anything. Um, Because it just, I don't know, it's so core, I think, to, like, who we are and And how we express ourselves.
0: Now, in 2022, you would think that we're, like, we can talk about anything we
1: want and fearlessly, but that's not the case. Not at all. No, that's why you need your podcast and I need to do my job.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, to, like, start the conversations because regardless of what people find like socially acceptable or not like how we grew up and the kind of home and parents we had and like was that a safe space or was that like
1: horrible and shameful like really forms us you know 100% and I mean I also feel like I have my own journey right so it's like my clients inspired me but you know I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to sex and there was a lot of you know, fear and those negative messages from, you know, being raised Catholic and yeah. from sex ed in high school, being like a hundred percent fear-based and abstinence-based. And, yeah. you know, I lean a little more towards anxiety. So I was like, oh no, this is going to be terrible. All the bad things are going to happen to me. You know, I had a
0: purity ring. I had a purity for like no a year. <laughs> <laughs> and I chumped that bitch. <laughs> Look at us
1: now, Jordan.
0: Look at us now. <laughs> us. I, I know my husband grew up Mormon. So, and like, oh. I don't, I don't want to bash on Mormons because I know some yeah. very lovely, lovely people honor, respect. That's all. But I know that <clears throat> some people have experienced things in the church where like people ask them like really weird questions and, mm-hmm. and shame can come with that later in life. And I 100%. find it disgusting.
1: Maybe. Yes. And I've had some, you know, Mormon and former Mormon clients too. And it's, um, or even just clients who grew up in Utah, like around yeah. a Mormon culture. So it's, it's really interesting. Um, there's also this woman, uh, the Christian sex educator, and she's Mormon and, but kind of like pretty progressive. So it's interesting. Oh,
0: cool. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. someone for everybody. Yeah. To mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So what is a common theme that you are like a reoccurring theme for me? I constantly hear people talking about mismatched libido. Like oh, one the partner you're having a higher sex yeah. than the other. So yes. what are some solutions?
1: Yeah. So um, that's an interesting one. And, you know, that's also something I've kind of been up and down with my own libido. And so I know that from working with clients and from personal experience too. Uh, I think it can be our physical health for sure. So, you know, it could be food intolerances and fatigue and bloating. It could it be, be 1 million things. Like literally 1 million things and such. And that's part of what's so fascinating about this work too, is like, you're kind of a detective, like putting the puzzle pieces together. Um, And I'm very holistic by nature. And I did, you know, a health coach certification. I'm like a biohacker in my spare time. So I love kind of getting into some of the physical health stuff with people too. Um, But yeah, hormones, obviously, you know, like that could be a huge part of it. I notice a lot of women's libidos take a dip either after having kids or like a hysterectomy or a menopause. Um, and I think some of it is physical and hormonal. And I think some of it is psychological. Some of it is just like, I can't prioritize myself. I'm like a milk machine. And, you know, I have to be at everyone else's beck and call all the time yeah. and a mom. Or, you know, oh, I'm past the age of being able to have kids. And like, isn't that what I was taught sex was for kind of on some level? Yeah. Some and so think I think like we have that, that. Yeah. Yeah, we have that like subconscious thing in the background. Sometimes we're like really sad about something or like haven't totally gotten over a breakup. So there, there's like a million and one reasons.
0: What do you think about couples where it's the woman with the higher drive
1: than Yeah? The man, and I see that the... a lot. It, it could go either way. So I mean, I've also had men where they're kind of like we got a little older, and I just thought older people don't have sex, or you
0: know. Well, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I hate
1: that for yeah. people. Yes, yeah, so I'm like, no, be like 85 and having lots of sex, like you know. I there's thought not nursing an homes limit. were like, like
0: really intense. Like there was like a high rate of STDs. Is that just a rumor, or is that no? True? I heard
1: the same thing. Like <laughs> okay. I think that's that's a real thing, and I think I saw some statistic this week that was like a third of people over 70 are sexual act- sexually active. We're going to be in that third. Oh, (laughs) a hundred percent. And now that I do this work, I also talk to my parents. They're not 70 yet, but you know, I'm like, okay. And they're not with each other, which makes it less weird for me. Yeah. I have a sex life.
0: I know. I know. I I'm lucky or I feel like I was fortunate to have parents who were really like pro their sex life. I did grow up mm-hmm. in a religious household, but they were pretty like charismatic, like like non-denominational, like going to a mega church kind of thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but they were very like very sexual because I would when they'd go out of town and like go on my parents' drawers and like traumatize myself <laughs> <laughs> and find things that I'm like, what, what even is this? I love that you like that. admit to yeah. snooping in their drawers. <laughs> totally totally because my parents just handed me a book and was like this is what sex is okay and it like went through the animals and was like this is how a pig does it this is how a horse does for it for real interesting and this is how people do it yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it was more like about anatomy where it went and I was like oh I knew it was either like something to do with your boobs or your
1: popo is what I called. okay right that says a lot about our culture that no one causes. I used to call it private parts. You called it private parts? Like I called it a popo. My cousin called it a woo-woo. Like Right? <laughs> right. Because it's like there's something shameful about just saying like vulva vagina. or vagina or penis. Yeah. It's like, what if that's just okay to say? Yeah. <laughs> it's the word. It's what it's really called. It's yeah. It's
0: like an I album. saw a TikTok <laughs> where a guy was like saying, um, he was answering a question and he someone's like, how much sex should you be having? And he's Hmm. like, if you're a marriage, if you're married and you're in a a committed relationship, no questions asked, you Hmm. should be having sex two to three times a week. And I couldn't help but feel like, how can you just put that on everybody?
1: You can't, that's a ridiculous statement. You You can't really speak in absolutes, right? It's like every person is different. Every couple is different. Like we just said, like libidos go up and down for different reasons at different points in your life. Um, The research actually supports, and this is on average. I want to be like very clear. This does not mean it's for every couple. This just means on average that once a week is where couples kind of max out on their satisfaction. Um, On average, that makes There's me feel be, better. Now I feel well, less. Yes, shit. good. I'm glad. <laughs> but it's like just because it's once a week on average, still doesn't mean that's what everyone should do. You know, some people were,
0: have different lives, like different factors. Yeah. Different, like,
1: some people have seven kids. Some people have no kids. Yeah. Yes. So. Right. Some people want to schedule it. Some people don't. Some people travel for work. Some people don't. Some people have really high libidos and want to have sex twice a day. Awesome. Knock yourselves out. Yeah. And some people you know?
0: are perfectly content having sex biweekly or once a month. Absolutely. What do you think about
1: couples that are not having sex? I think it depends on them. You know, like I've had... And that's interesting with the libido thing, because oh, yeah. you'll get one partner who's like, I'm actually totally fine not having sex. Like, I still feel like we have romance and affection and this is my person and it still feels like a special relationship to me. And like, I'm okay not having it. So I think if you had two people like that, it would be fine.
0: Then like two, maybe I don't want to put a label, but like there are asexual people who don't yeah. crave
1: Oh, I have Sex. to say, like yes, and I think I think asexual works when your libido is like low or non-existent, and that is okay with you, and that works for you. Um, I do think there's a lot of people where they're feeling asexual, but they're not. When Well, it's interesting because if you look read some of the articles in the asexual community too, it's kind of like anyone who wants to identify as asexual can basically, right? And some people are going to be like demisexual and it really, they really have to have that emotional connection. What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. Yeah. So demisexual would be someone who's like on the asexual spectrum, but wouldn't necessarily have like zero sex drive but probably less than what we would consider, you know, average or normal. Okay. Um and typically with demisexuals there's going to be a need for an emotional connection first. So like there's people where they might need to be friends with someone for, you know, 6 months or a year and really feel like a deep connection and then they're going to want to f- then they're feeling that sexual attraction, but until they feel that deep emotional connection, they're kind of like, you're cute, you're nice to be around, but I'm not really feeling like, hmm, let's do it, you know? Do you think there is a tie,
0: like, is there, like, psychology behind why a person is the way or how they identify sexually the way they are? In terms
1: of, like, asexual, demisexual? Yeah,
0: or Um, people with, like, stream kinks even. Like, people that like to mm. sniff panties, and people have wrote in that, like, it started because my aunt gave me a pair of panties. And then I went, and I'm like, what? I I just don't know what to say. It's
1: interesting because like sometimes there's obvious stuff like that. And sometimes it's just really not obvious. It comes Um, out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I think there's like categories that like our, our sexual interests tend to fall into. Do like things that are taboo Diverish. or like overcoming ambivalence, we're like, Oh, I don't know if I should do this, and then like, Oh, I'm gonna go for it, and then like that's super hot, like, Oh my god, I just did it, you know? Yeah, um. <laughs> oh my god, I did it. <laughs> or like
0: sometimes you'll find something and you'll be like, Oh, I didn't even know that aroused me, but it did.
1: That's fun when you're like yeah. finding a new one, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Right, novelty, that's a big one. So, like, you know, so those are kind of buckets I think that things fall into. So someone might like sniffing panties because they feel like, ooh, this is bad. I'm not supposed to do that, and that makes yeah. it hot. Okay, good to know. Yeah, right. But like, but why sniffing panties and not feet? You know, Maybe like because how does, his aunt yeah. gave
0: them to him, and I just feel like the, the oh, ant thing I got stuck on, so <laughs> I got stuck there, yeah but no judgment, Beautiful. no judgment. So if people are married and then they have like, cause as we even being married, not being married, committed relationship, not we like evolve as people. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how do we, like we grow as people and sexually, how do we talk to our partner about things that might come up that we want to explore without feeling like intim scared, or like, I know delivery might be important or timing. What would you suggest on how yeah. to start that conversation?
1: This one, this is a question is oddly challenging for me because I just love talking about sex.
0: I'm like, you
1: just say it. I mean, this is also part of why I do my job. Um, I also think it can be fun foreplay to talk about sex. So it's interesting for me when people are kind of like, oh, uh, how do I bring it up? I'm like, this is like a hot thing to you. Like have fun bringing it up, you know? So that, that's kind of my advice is like, hey, like, you know, it'd be like really hot or like, I kind of, am realizing I'm into this thing. Like, what do you think?
0: And what uh, if their partner acts repulsed? Because I've had men say they've shared things and the yep. woman is like, Ugh,
1: you're like, you're perverted, like that kind of thing. And that makes me feel even more terrible. And, I, makes- and I've had that experience too. I've brought things up and a guy is kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> and I feel sad and Ooh, shameful. Yeah. So I think, I think that, that that brings me to one of my favorite phrases in the kink community, which is don't yuck my yum. So it's kind of like, hey, if I'm into something, so I think you could even set that as a ground rule with like your boundary. Partner. Like I'm going to yeah. share be- this and you're yeah. not going to be a weirdo. Okay. Right. Like before I even tell you what it is, I just need you to like not shame me or, you know, the whole like phrase of kink shaming. Don't kink shame me. Um, my face you know. would give it away though. I know my face. <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs>
0: Try to keep your same facial expression.
1: and just totally, it's funny because I'm saying (laughs) not to do this, but I'm totally the same way where I have like the worst poker face. It's just like my face moves without me controlling it. Yeah, I don't even know Um, what's happening. (laughs) Even my clients sometimes say that. They're kind of like, aren't you supposed to be a little neutral? I'm like, I'm still a person over here. I'm (laughs) connecting with you through my facial expressions. And I'm not like judgy at all. But I think you can have a reaction without it being like shaming or judgy. So you might be like, I don't know. That's for me without being like, oh, you're so weird. Like, why would you ever like that, you know? Okay, what
0: about people that say, I don't have any kinks. Like, I'm just vanilla, or I right? Lie, <laughs> lie. Oh, yeah. Okay, so they just haven't explored it yet.
1: I mean, so there's a good book uh, by Justin Laymiller, Tell Me What You Want, and he gets into this. Um, so he did like a survey of like 4,000 different people and he gets into like, what are the common fantasies? And I don't remember like what he just in here, but like, there's something in here where it was like 96% of people reported having at least some BDSM fantasy at some point. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, when totally people familiar. have those like reactions of like, oh, I'm so horrified. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. That was just like some weird autopilot response that came out of you. Sometimes I think people think they're supposed to or if people are like good members of society that like they're not supposed to be into that. So I think a lot of it is our own internal discomfort. And the more we get super comfortable with our own fantasies and normalizing things, the more we're going to be able to receive other people's fantasies without having like a weird reaction and just being like, huh, interesting. I don't know if that's my thing, but like tell me more or maybe we could try it and see or, you know.
0: Does that take like, what about people, you said you deal, you talk with a lot of like ex-Mormons or people that have to get rid of shame around things. How do you begin that process of unwiring that, like that go-to thought of being like, ugh, that masturbation is wrong. There are some girls that think like, I can't, I shouldn't be touching myself kind of thing. Like, where does that start to
1: strip that away? Working with someone? I think so. I mean, I was actually just going to say that. Like, by the time people get to me, they've clearly overcome something in order to work with a sex coach. You they're know, like
0: God, I want to orgasm. I don't know. I don't know what they want, but maybe they're just. I mean, sick of
1: oftentimes, family. what brings those people in who are still uncomfortable is their relationship. You know, and they're kind of like, okay, like I'm not having sex with my husband of thirty years, or I'm not, you know, orgasming, and I've been faking it with my partner, and he found out, or you know, and so sometimes Why I people? <laughs> Tell him it's almost like giving a treat to like a dog that didn't do anything or something. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, no, I, I totally agree with you. We could start a campaign on that actually. Like I would be very into that campaign. Don't fake it. Um, but I also understand why people do, right. It's like, we're socialized to like, I think this women often to like be pleasing and you know, that men really want sex and it's more important to them. And this is how we get validated from men. And so it's like, when there's all that baggage that you're bringing with you into sex, then it's like, okay, I see how it happens. And then I think people do get to a point where they're like, this isn't working for me and it's actually kind of like not working yeah. for him at a certain point either and what like about
0: porn you think porn maybe influences girls to be like I need to scream all the time and like oh yeah, yeah. like what do you think about porn in general
1: like good yeah. bad it's a loaded question um show? it is a yeah I would say like <laughs> this is going to sound kind of weird and extreme. I don't really believe in good and bad. (laughs) Um, To an extent, maybe like abusing it or it's impacting
0: your relationship negatively, not good, but enjoying it like healthily and then
1: incorporating it with your partner. Good. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think it depends. And I think like it goes back to that question of like, is it working for you? You know, same thing with the frequency of sex that we talked about earlier. Like, is the porn use working for you? Is it fun? Is it sort of foreplay? Is it getting you in the mood? Is it helping you connect with your partner? Is it giving you new ideas? Or is it like, Ooh, my, my dick should be bigger. Or like, Ooh, I need to have a labiaplasty. (laughs) Or is it like, Oh, I have to bleach my butthole. You know, like, it's like, if it's making you feel like crap about yourself, if it's ruining your sex life, if it's, you know making you connect less because you're masturbating to porn and losing interest in sex then that's a problem and i mean i would also say there's so many different types of porn i think a lot of times people are really down on porn um and they're really only considering mainstream porn videos but you know there's some fun like audio porn apps now uh like dipsy and quinn and um, there's one that's like guided masturbation and sensual meditations. Uh, I read audio below.
0: erotica on my Patreon.
1: Yes, nice. <laughs> that's so fun. Yeah. So, like, right? And like, and then there's like romance novels and written erotica. And then, you know, there's feminist porn videos and, you know, there's uh, make love, not porn, which is real couples having sex. So, you know, if people come to me and they're kind of like, I like this or that about porn, but I'm having these issues. I don't always just jump right to porn is bad. Don't watch porn. I'm like, okay, let's try some other options. But yeah, I
0: completely agree because I think people can be like polarizing about it or bad or good but I think there's a place a time and a place for sure but there are some guys that are like I watch porn all the time and I'm not attracted to my spouse anymore at all and I'm I like, know. that sucks
1: it does suck and it hurt, harms them and I think that's when they come to see me too is because they're kind of like I want to connect with this person that I love and I want to have an actual touching human experience and not just like a video do you
0: believe in monogamy like do you believe that people can maybe not mono- like last monogamously these yeah. are controversial
1: you're <laughs> notice you're gonna notice a theme in my responses everything <laughs> so, is yes it depends <laughs> if it works for you you know like that's the answer so like um I've noticed like certain people, non-monogamy is like 100% like their path in life. And you're like, oh yes, like, I can see that this is an alignment. Like this really works for them. And those tend to be people who have like great communication skills. They're very relationship oriented in general. They're willing to put in the time and effort because it's rewarding enough for them. And they're kind of energized by the experience. So that those are the people who it kind of works for. And they're just connectors, like they're connector types
0: and then but what about jealousy like i because when you can't relate sometimes if i'm like oh i would be so jealous like what does that mean yeah i don't think
1: jealousy has to, like you? me <laughs> you're so funny <laughs> <laughs> like do i have a problem so, I mean, yeah. Like if you're jealous, it is your issue. And I think that comes from like, we need to take responsibility for our own thoughts, which are creating our feelings, you know? So if we're feeling jealous, it's because we're having a thought and the thought might be something like, Ooh, is this other person sexier than me? Is this other person more fun than me? Is this other person like holding my partner's attention more? Um, well, I like I'm old and
0: they're new. So why
1: would it, why would they not like new new would be entertaining
0: and more visually stimulating than old
1: part of it is i think like people need to know that going into a non-monogamous situation that like there's new relationship energy and it's a powerful drug you know and that doesn't isn't something to take personally that's like literally your partner's hormones will be hijacked for a period of time but the connection you have is going to be probably like stable and mature and deep. And, you know, so they're different connections. It's not better or worse. And of course you can like manage that. So, you know, if like jealousy is going to come up, like any human being going into a non-monogamous situation is going to probably have that. I think some people are less wired for jealousy than others Um but it is a normal human emotion at the end of it. Yeah. And so like I wouldn't say that like just because you get jealous, non-monogamy is not for you. It's kind of like, are you willing to work through some of it? And also like just Mm -hmm. is it what you want? You know? So it might just be like, I don't want to do this work. (laughs) And then what there's what if there's people
0: because girls write in, guys write in, I want to add someone to the bedroom. How do yeah. I talk my significant other? Oh interact? God! I know. I
1: know. <laughs> it's like, well,
0: am I gonna corks? I mean, do you want to really want to like force someone to like feel obligated to do I, it? Like, that that sounds, sounds terrible. Awful.
1: And I mean, that that does happen, right? And so, like, I also have clients I've worked with where. Someone does kind of convince someone to add another person to the bedroom. And a lot of times it does backfire because the person's not really on board. And and I also find people don't have enough conversations ahead of time because it's, it's hard to anticipate until you actually do it. So that's where like, I do get some couples that are like proactive and they're kind of like, Hey, we're thinking about opening our relationship and we want some support in doing that. And then I get very excited (laughs) because I'm like, yes, we're going to, I'm going to like help you find all the pitfalls and like, you know, prevent, you know, more than half of them. And, you know, like we're really going to have all the conversations going into it and think about all the outcomes and make sure this is a conscious choice and an aware educated choice.
0: Because you have two people who are willing to do the work and be intentional about what they're doing versus just like flying on the seat of your pants and like white knuckling it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I would even say when people, it is usually one person whose idea it is, who's more excited, even when the other person's like, okay, cool, we can try it. Do you find it goes better when a woman introduces it
0: versus a man? Because- I feel like when men suggest adding a woman to the bedroom, women could be like, fuck you. And maybe a guy will be like, this is a dream come
1: true. <laughs> like if a woman did. interesting. Like, you know, or am I just stereotyping? It's interesting because I, I know a lot of women who are like happily non-monogamous. Okay. But like, it does seem to be in most of the cases I'm aware of, it does seem to be the guy who initiates it. Okay. Sometimes though, the guy initiates it. And then his wife or partner likes it better. And then he actually doesn't.
0: Yes. I got a question like that where he he asked for bring someone in and she was like, sure. Another male and And he's like I don't like know like I brought it up she wants to do it but now I'm like how am I gonna feel about this I'm like you
1: brought it up right (laughs) how do you feel now (laughs) right and I think that that gender flip is so fascinating right because it's like yeah Yeah, what (laughs) they expected so (laughs) People that want to work with a coach
0: like you, what do you recommend? What do you tell them to do first?
1: Yeah. Um, like how even,
0: could they work with you? Like where do they find your stuff?
1: Your for name? sure. Yeah. So, I mean, my website's probably the best place to go. It's just my name, heathershannon.co. And I do have a freebies page on there. So we talked about libido and, you know, all that. So I have a Mojo Magic free guidebook so people can start understanding some of those holistic pieces of libido and maybe like what's off track for them. Is it the relationship? Is it the hormones? And, you know, not to just be kind of like festering in like a sexless marriage that's not going in the right direction, (laughs) but to be like, okay, I'm figuring this out. I'm getting the resources. And if people want to do, you know, couples coaching or one-on-one, um, we all have some group programs coming down the pipeline. Um, I also have a discounted mini session for, um, new clients. So if they do want you to do-, do it individually or as couples. Both. So I would say my like half and half right now. So I have some people who are, you know, single a lot. I love working with people like out of a breakup or a divorce and they're kind of like, I was in this sexless marriage or it was totally vanilla and I want to like explore and I'm like, yes, let's do yeah. it. Um, So I get some of those people or just people who have been like dating and they're kind of like, you know, I'm not sure with how I'm approaching sex, if that's really working for me and, you know, working on other things like attachment styles and boundaries, you know, stuff like that comes up. And then, um, yeah, with couples, I get a ton of the libido mismatch, you know, couples like you were talking about. Um, sometimes I get like a kink discrepancy too, where like one person wants to do kinkier stuff and the other person is like, eh, I don't know. So those are probably the most common ones for short sure, communication issues. You know, that's, that's kind of a constant, um, and kind of getting more comfortable communicating about sex. So it's a mixed bag. Anxious attachment. Yeah. Attachment. So When people
0: find out what they are, is it possible to be okay? Like, is it, if you're. Oh yeah.
1: So I'm super anxiously attached. I also think I have some avoidant attachment. <laughs> yeah. I'm raising my hand, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, and now I would say I am definitely mostly secure. It doesn't mean I don't have an anxious moment or an avoidant moment, but um you can absolutely change your attachment style. So that's an area I'm really passionate about because anxious attachment is so painful.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. I can frustratedly yeah. explain. So yeah. maybe we'll have to do a whole other episode on attachment styles because For sure. it is. Imp- so as long as you get the tools, you're not fucked.
1: Oh my God. Not at all. And I mean, actually I was thinking I need to like write or create something. So there's a book called attached, um, which is a great place to start by, by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. Um, and <clears throat> it's a great framework. But What I think they're missing is that, you don't just have to find a partner who's secure and then like communicate well. There's so much you can do on your own. So even if you're a single person, if you're already in a relationship with someone who's more avoidant, you can work on the communication. You can, what I, what I talk about is, are you making your sense of security an in-house job or are you outsourcing it? And so regardless of if you're single or not, make it an in-house job. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, or yeah. you'll just
0: be disappointed over and over, right? And over, and you'll again. feel panicked, and you'll feel empty, and it'll be like almost intolerable. Yes, yes, it will be right.
1: <laughs> so when you notice that, what do do they feel pain? <laughs> oh yes, of course I know. It's like the poor avoidance because I feel like they get like a bad rap, okay. but it's like we come by this stuff honestly. It's like no one's fault. What attachment style you yeah. have? But if you notice that like being close with someone consistently is tough for you, then you probably are more avoidant. You might feel kind of <clears throat> suffocated. And a lot of times the key there is that the avoidance are not speaking up for like their need for space and their need for independence because they're kind of afraid then. Oh. Like, well, no, I'm not going to have any connection or something, you know, but, and they might like to get really close at the beginning. So this is, this is where my clients who are anxious, get tripped up. They think okay. someone is secure at the beginning, and I'm like, anyone can put on a good show for the first month. <laughs> that's or three, yeah, or three, yeah. And you know, they might. The second shit gets real, is kind of how I say it. Then they're like, oh, it's not just fun and flirty anymore. I don't know if I could do this. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. That's a, a trip. That's like, are they called fuck
1: boys a lot? Is that what that's called? <laughs> yeah, for sure. But it's like, yeah, if you're like, ah, oh, I kind of have been a fuckboy boy, and I don't want to be anymore. Like. You can, you can do something. About you can it. practice those intimacy skills, and you can push yourself to communicate more directly. And you can, you know, say your needs. And you can also push yourself to show up a little bit more for the other person. Because a lot of times there's a fear that, like, if this person needs reassurance and I keep reassuring them, they're going to build a dependency on me. But the opposite is what actually happens typically. Like if you're just showing up and being available and giving this person assurance, then they probably won't need to ask for it. And they'll just be like, cool, cool. I already know we're good. So I'm not anxious Amen. anymore.
0: Amen. Yeah. We all need to know that and then be able to yeah. work on ourselves because it's so
1: worth it and rewarding. Yeah, I mean, like- if people are listening to your show, they're already on the right track. So, you know, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> so Keep listening to Jordan's show, all of you brilliant listeners out there. Um, but like, just be on your journey, find shows, find books, find sex coaches. You know, it's like, keep exploring because there's, there's no shame in not knowing this stuff. I still don't know all of it. I feel like I'm going to be on a lifelong journey. We were never taught. And what we were taught was all the wrong stuff. (laughs) So So we have a chance to learn and then pass that on as well. Keep seeking the information, keep unlearning, and keep allowing yourself to become more and more of who you really are as a sexual being.
0: Okay. Awesome. That was so awesome. You are so much fun to talk to and chat with. Some people are really boring. So you were really fun fun. fun to
1: talk to also.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Freaky fam. I love you. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. If you want to slide in my DMs, underscore the horny housewife podcast, the horny housewife to submit anonymously. Just go to the link in my bio and you will find it all. Find it all. I love you. I will see you next Monday.
1: Sick of being upsold at gyms?